When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest edition of the First Down Snapcast. Tonight I'm joined by regular panellists Ian Davis, Stuart Orson, and Charles Clawson. Now we'll now hand over to Charles who will introduce tonight's special guest and we will get the show started. Hi, hi. can I just say before I introduce Nikki that that's the best intro that you've managed yet? Yes, <laughs> and you've just introduced the guest though. Yeah, we're, 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 we're in the presence of football royalty, so we're all being really sensible at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> football royalty. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so uh, tonight we're um, pleased to welcome Nicky Horn onto the show. Uh, certainly for me, uh, back in the early 80s, he was, he was one of the uh, a, a big voice of American football on Channel 4 which I'm sure we'll get into into a, a little bit. And when I was looking for a few things about him, I noticed that he's on a, a radio station called Boom Radio now, and he's described as the, the discerning Nicky Horn. So um, we're about to find out whether we, uh, we agree with that or not. Okay. I wrote those words myself, actually. No, I didn't. <laughs> well, yeah, so anyway, so I mean, I'm... I'm I'm the oldest one here, and I remember when Channel 4 first kicked off with American football. Um, and obviously, Nicky, you were the host. Um, I mean, to, to, to kick the ball, get the, get the ball rolling. Um, I just wonder how you got the job as the presenter of American football when I know your background as a journalist, but I think most people no, know. No, actually, my, my background really is not as a journalist. My background is as a, an interviewer. 
uh, really for uh, BBC Radio 1 and, and British Forces. That's really how I started as an interviewer. And then I wanted to be a DJ. So when Capital Radio started in London in 1973, um, I got the gig uh, to do a programme called Your Mother Wouldn't Like It, which was a rock show. And basically they just let me play whatever I wanted. Um, and I was very into uh, American rock music. You know, I'd, be, I'd kind of, I'd been to America a few times. I, and where I'd actually seen American football and been to a few games. But I played a lot of American music. And I was the only one at that time on the air playing that amount of American music. Um, and I got a phone call um, about nine months before Channel 4 went on air. A guy called Derek Brandon. And he said... I've just formed this new company called Cheerleader Productions. Um, we are going for the um, the rights to uh, broadcast the NFL on Channel 4 when it starts. Can I come and see you? So uh, he came to the studio. He said, I love what you do with American music. He said, um, so, you know, I, I really think you could be great for this program. So he came and we, um, we had a chat at uh, Capital and he said to me, so we've got the we've got the commission now. He said we're going to be on the air in about three months. He said, um, "What do you know about American football?" And I said, "I've been to America a few times. I think it is the most amazing game." He said, "You know, it looks like nothing else in the world." <clears throat> he said, "But what do you know about it?" And I said, "Well, I know it's." And this is where I started kind of bullshitting a bit. <laughs> I said, I, I know it's territorial. I know it's a bit like rugby. I said, I know that the the quarterback is like the leader of the gang. And he said, but what do you know about it? And I went, well, that's about it. He said, okay, you're hired. <laughs> and Derek's idea was very, very simple, but it was brilliant. He wanted me to learn at the same pace as the viewer. So if there was something I didn't understand, then I would talk to Miles Aitken, my co-host, who was you know twice as tall as me and three times as wide, um, who actually, um, and Miles was a, was a basketball player. He wasn't an NFL player. So um, the idea was that if I didn't understand something, uh, I would ask Miles, but I would learn at the same pace as the viewer. So I remember we were about four weeks away from the first transmission. And I was in the cheerleader office and I'd sent over to some friends in America um, for some books and videos of American football. And I was I was in the office and I was just I was reading this, you know, manual. Um, about American football, kind of an idiot's guide to American football I got from America. And Derek came in and he went, what are you doing? And I went, um, I'm, just, I'm just reading this book. And he, and he went, you can't have that. And he actually literally confiscated this book. He said, you will learn at the same pace as the viewer. And so I, that was how it started. Um, it was because I didn't know anything about American football 
that I was hired. But it was because he liked he liked what I did on air, where I could explain, I don't know, a, a concept to the listener. And he liked the way that I kind of delivered the program. And he obviously liked the way that, you know, I was enthusiastic about American football. And I could actually say on the first program, look, this is the most fantastic game in the world. You know, come with me and we'll learn together. And, you know, by by God's good grace, you know, that's what happened. So wasn't it a, a little bit of a baptism of fire, the first episode? Because if memory serves me right, yeah. there was a player strike. Yes. So there, was, there were no games to show. No. Um, I mean, that was, uh, I think it was about two weeks before we went on air that the, the players went on strike. You know, which was an extremely big deal because, you know, in those days... Uh, we had a we had a production company in New York, a production office in New York. The games would be recorded in New York, and then a producer would fly. The producer who did the studio would then get on a plane, fly to New York, do the edit, and then fly back with the tapes. It wasn't sort of, you know, it wasn't high tech or anything like that. <laughs> You know, they'd physically come back with the tapes and they'd edit the tapes in New York. And there were two producers who would sort of crisscross. But to go back to your point, yes, um, there was a player strike. And we went on the areas and I said, you know, this is a great game. It's the most amazing game in the world. But the players are on strike. And I think in a sense, that really helped us. Because... The idea of the program was that this was sport as entertainment, that we weren't going to do it in the same way as the BBC. I mean, for the fact that they hired me, you know, showed that they weren't going like the BBC had done. Um, and I think that it allowed us to sort of introduce characters and stars because it's, you know, to, to make this thing kind of rock and roll, you've actually got to have rock and roll personalities. And it's very difficult to have a rock and roll personality when, you know, they've got, you know, um, a face mask on and you can't see them and they've got a helmet. Um, and so I think it allowed us to sort of make stars of people like um, Riggins and Theismann um, and in fact, the, the Washington Redskins, you know, were the team who who really kind of um, took us to their hearts and allowed us in. They were the first team that actually allowed a British crew um, to interview them. So, yeah, I mean, I th it wasn't the most auspicious of starts in terms of the strike. But I do think that it really it really helped us kind of establish the program and you know, we used to, we did the, the, the idiot's guide, you know, this is how it works, you know, and, and it was very kind of gentle. So at what stage did you realise that it was becoming, as we look back now, a, a phenomenal success? Because um, it was huge. The, yeah, yeah. There, there, were, there, were, there were two things, actually, um, that really made me stop in, the tra in my tracks. Um, and they were both around the same, actually, the same weekend. We'd been on the air for about 
So the games had resumed. We'd been on the air for about five, six weeks, I think. Six weeks. And I went to the West End, uh, and I was walking down Carnaby Street, funnily enough, um, and I saw people wearing NFL clothing. So I saw a Washington Redskins jacket, and I saw uh, an L.A. Raiders, two L.A. Raiders jackets. That was on the Saturday. And I always remember something that, that Malcolm McLaren, the manager of the Sex Pistols, said to me. But, you know, the whole thing about punk wasn't just about the music. It actually started with the fashion, with punk fashion. I mean, the Sex Pistols came out of, you know, Malcolm McLaren's shop, Sex, in uh, King's Road, which was, you know, about fashion. Um, and then that Sunday, I, I was walking... Um, in Hyde Park and I saw people playing American football in Hyde Park they had you know a proper NFL ball and they were playing you know touch football uh, there were two teams and um, and I thought those two things I just thought blimey you know we've kind of we've kind of hit the zeitgeist here and also looking at the um, audience figures you know those sh initial shows in fact those first three seasons we were never out of the channel four top 10 never out of the channel four top 10 you know that was the, the fact that we were on it in the god slot you know really helped us as well that was a programming stroke of genius to put us on at you know six thirty on a sunday night when you know songs of praise on the other on the other channels, and there we are with you know this amazing spectacle, and you know the the music that we played, you know, because I had a a very strong hand in you know choosing the music and the theme music and the uh, results of the music. So that's that's when I kind of realised that you know this was this was something bigger than a a, a TV program for me. It was it was part of a a movement, if you like. You're in, you you were very much in danger of stealing my next question. Then when you got on news, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so, oh, just the second while I just read no. Now, my memory again is 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 it starting out? You were using a um, holding out for a hero music. Yeah. By, yeah. Bonnie Tyler, which Bonnie I think Tyler, yeah. you can put me right on this, but I think it was a B side to the more well known hit "Total Eclipse of the Heart." Yes. Or it was a double A side, is it? I think it was a double A side, actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, my question, my question on the music was because you had that, and then you had the uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Side. Yeah. My and question with the Eurythmics as well. We used as well. Yeah, yeah. And there's we've, we've had a question from someone else about another uh, song, which I'll, um, I'll 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 come back to anyway. But my question was going to be, how much influence did you have on the music? And you obviously said that a lot of it was down to you. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of, well, certainly the um, results sequence music, or the, the title, the initial title sequence um, with uh, Brian Eno and David Byrne. Um, the, remember that? It was the, the sort of clompy clomp, um, the initial title sequence. Um, the one with Riggins, you know, the diesel. Um, and that was David Byrne. Uh, that was David Byrne um, uh, and, Talking Heads, 
um, and Brian Eno from a, an album called My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, which was you know a really obscure album, but uh, but you know they used that for the title sequence, and then I came up with, with all these other things. You know the music sequence at the end of every game. You know we I would come up with two or three ideas, and then Derek and the whoever the producer was, Mike Wilmot, um, should get an honourable mention. Um, you know, Mike and I and Derek would choose um, which one. And it depended on the story. You know, when, when Theisman, you know, had that awful, awful accident where, you know, he broke his leg, you know, in two places, three places, I think. And you saw it and we kind of agonised whether we would show the video. Um, you know, I, I wanted something very poignant um, and so we used um, Say It Ain't So, Joe, which was, you know, it, it brought tears to one's eyes because um, it wasn't just the sort of driving music, this kind of spectacular holding out for a hero stuff. It was all, also the sort of the very poignant stuff. Um, and I think the, you know, the music that we chose, um, I think there was some, I mean, and they put the, the pictures to it. I just, you know, did the... I just came out with the music, but um, I think it was, we were a great team. Cheerleader was a great team of young, um, really creative people um, who just loved this game and loved the craft of television. Sorry, I'm going on a bit. Still, no, it's all right, it's all right. I'll, I'll interrupt when... Uh... When I, think, when I think I've had enough, I'll quite have to listen to you. But the, um, the, the the question that I've been racking my brains about all week, and probably for a, lot, a bit longer than that, is when you did a result a, a results sequence during the early shows, you used a, bit, a piece of classical music. Don't know if you remember. And it's, um, I can't find it anywhere. Not being an expert on classical music. Classical. I'm not going to sing it because it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Should, Charles. No. <laughs> um, Every time she tries to sing anything to me, it sounds the same, no matter what you, it is. No, you've no idea. You've no idea what it is. I don't remember. No, I've been trying to find it. I've been trying, but my limited knowledge. Give me a clue. What, <laughs> well, what, I can only. I mean, without singing, sing it. you can't. Uh, I can only sing it. Was it orchestral? It Was it orchestral? Oh, um, March of the Valkyries. <sighs> See, my singing's brilliant. Uh, I, I actually yeah, recognise that. Yeah, I even recognise um, that one. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a, 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 you know, a huge expert on classical music, although I was at Classic FM for years. My wife actually is a, um, a trained viola player. Um, she's the expert, but um, she's on the phone downstairs. Yes, I think it's Ride of the Valkyries. Right, which was great, because that, yeah. that, that, again, just fitted in brilliantly with the, yeah. the programme. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just thankful that someone, someone's told me what it is because I've been trying to find it desperately. I've never listened to so much classical music this week. Um, <laughs> the um, how how much how much effect has the has the game had on you? I'm, I'm getting to the fact that you know when when you finish doing the show, have you, do you still follow it? Have you still followed it? How long did you follow it for? I'm. Yeah, I haven't followed it as as much in the last couple of years. Um, I have to admit, um, but I certainly followed it 
a lot um, immediately after um, and for several years after. I mean, I, I actually did some work not last year, but the year before um, for the NFL um, here in the UK where I, you know, I would talk to students um, about those early years of American football, students that were, you know, playing American football here in the UK. Um, and I was, I, I never got involved in the, in the British game as such. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I certainly followed it for a good few years. And, and they asked me when Frank Gifford took over, um, and they moved the entire production to New York. I was very, I was very in favour of that. I, because they they said that they wanted to move the whole thing to New York and have the whole program produced in New York and then satellite it across. Uh, so the producer would essentially live in New York for seven months of the year. Um, and they wanted they wanted Frank Gifford. Um, I couldn't go and live in New York because I was working on Capital and I was, you know, working on Virgin and, you know, I had my voiceovers and all that stuff. So I couldn't just, and, you know, I had a family. So I couldn't just sort of, you know, pack up and go to New York for that amount of time. So I was, I was very um, uh, in favour of Gifford because I thought Gifford had the kind of energy and the dynamism and the, the rhythm really of a, of a radio presenter. Um, and obviously an incredible knowledge of the game. Um, and I was very, I was very, you know, pro that decision. And then when the vicious boys, um, took over, I, I was asked to go back, uh, to <coughs> the playoffs. Um, and I had, I had a very um, pleasant lunch um, with uh, the producers and they said, look, you know, we'd, we'd like you to come back and do the playoffs uh, this season. Um, and I thought about it and I thought, you know, to use um, Don Henley's um, brilliant expression in The Boys of Summer, you know, don't look back, you can never look back. Um, and I, I didn't want to come back and just do the playoffs. Um, you know, I felt that that was, you know, I'd, I'd done my bit. I'd started something off um, for the second time in my career. You know, I, I was there at the very beginning of commercial radio um, and we had a blank canvas on which to paint. Um, and I'm very proud of that part of my work. We and exactly the same with Channel Four. You know, we we were bringing something entirely new to TV, um, and so I, I I felt that I'd sort of been there and I'd I'd done that, and um, and then I obviously I kept in in contact with with friends and uh, the producers and stuff, and I kept you know looking at the scores and seeing how the uh, the Redskins and the Forty ers were doing. Um, they were my two top teams um, and uh, but no in the last couple of years I haven't followed it as closely I think the game is is very different now to what it was uh, I think everybody acknowledges that um, so yeah it's you know that was a great time in my life great time so you mentioned 
You mentioned handing over to Frank Gifford, but then the the reins passed to the Vicious Boys, who you've mentioned. Yes. Did you have any, did you have any particular view on how that went? Because I kind of drifted away from it for a while when they were presenting. Because um, um, anyway, go on. I think I I think that I need to be uh, I need to be quite diplomatic here. Mm. Um, I think there was there was a move within Channel Four as uh, an entity to have people presenting who were not presenters. So this wasn't just to do with American football. This was to do with Channel 4 and the way that it saw itself um, uh, in terms of the kind of people that it wanted presenting. And I think the Vicious Boys were hopelessly out of their depth. Um, you know, they, they weren't presenters. They were never. They never set themselves up to be presenters, but I think. I think the way that you talk to your viewer, or indeed your listener, and I was always taught from the very beginning of my career that you know in radio there's only ever one person listening. You're only ever talking to one person, and when you kind of take the mickey out of you know the game when people are taking it seriously and passionately um you don't take the piss and put it to you know too fine a point on it and i think that the the vicious boys thought it was or the, the producers thought that that's what they wanted the vicious boys to do and i think it was a I think it was an awful time for uh, the game, and I think it was an awful time for um, the way it was televised. But it was, it was, and it's very important for me to emphasise this. It was part of a much broader culture within television at that time. You know, let's get people who aren't presenters. <laughs> who are nothing like presenters. You know, let's get people with speech impediments. Um, let's give them a show. Um, and it, it, was the, it was the time. That's interesting to hear that. <clears throat> my, my, again, I'm going back on my memories here, so they might be a bit fuzzy, was that their um, tenure really seemed to fall apart when they actually had to do the live um Casting at the uh, Super Bowl, and I seem to remember it was a bit of a disaster. And I'm not sure I, how, how I far beyond. I didn't see that. I mean, I have to. T I have to say that having done some live Super Bowls, um, that it is the most difficult, technically, uh, thing to do to to be in a booth above a stadium. Um, where you have to cover the ads because the Americans obviously take more ads than we do and you've got a schedule um, and you can see that you know you've got like three minutes for your next commercial break and then suddenly because there's a turnover or because there's a, there's you know a touchdown or something happens or a timeout that you know they take more commercials and that you might as well throw that schedule out the window so from a technical point of view, you know, if I'm talking to Don Shula and I think I've got three minutes, 
to talk to him. And then suddenly I hear, and we're going back in 10 seconds, you know, having to wrap up someone like Shula or whoever was, you know, my guest. It's a from a technical point of view, it is the most difficult thing in the world to do. So I, I don't I don't blame them at all for that. Um, you know, it's it, even, you know, even the, the great broadcasters the greatest broadcasters struggle with something like that. So you, you did it for a few years and then handed the reins over to Frank Gifford. How difficult was that to do to, to, to walk away from it? And, and how long did it take you to, till you weren't really missing it? Um, as I said, it wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't a difficult decision. Um, as I said, I, I was, you know, very pro uh, the idea of Gifford doing it when I couldn't go and live in New York for seven months. So nowadays, how can you can you walk down the street without anyone coming up and saying, <laughs> I remember you on Channel 4 and the American Football Show? Oh, I, yes, I, I can walk down the street and people, um, you know, people more often than not sort of... Um, just completely ignore me um but to this day actually i do still occasionally get stopped um you know someone will come up to me or on boom radio you know an email will come in in fact an email came in just before i came on air with you uh they would and they, they were listening to me on boom and they talked about, you know, how they got into American football at the start of Channel 4. And, you know, thank you so much for, you know, what you did to introduce me to the NFL. Um, and that was an email literally came in five minutes before, you know, I joined you for the Snapchat. You know what? I've listened to Boom Radio a couple of times just to see if you sounded the same as you did back in the 80s. <laughs> and I really feel like I've missed a trick now. I could have been emailing or texting into the show to say, you know, <laughs> and everyone would have heard Boom Radio about the, the first town show. Oh, oh, Richard will be sacking me. Well, you, yeah, you, you did miss it. You did miss yeah, it. You, you missed there, that yeah. one, Charles. Yeah. Got, yeah, to, like got to admit, Mickey, Charles has been excited about this for weeks. <laughs> I'm so pleased. We've been, we were, like I said, we've been doing, we did a draft show the other week and a few of us. But back at Charles has been talking about how little Nicky comes on. I've got so much. It was like this is my show because <laughs> he well, remembers I, everything about it. Well, I, I'm I'm hoping that I'm right about Ride of the Valkyries. Actually, yeah, um, I think you well be. I think well, it is. I hope so. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find um, Spotify at the moment. Let me just let me just see whether this is right. Um, just while you're looking this up, I'm going to put something up on camera. And see if you remember that. Okay. Hang on a second. Oh. I see your book. <laughs> and there's that. But have you seen that? Actually, this is. I haven't got the cover for this. Oh, there you go. Oh, blind! Um, oh, blimey! Complete, complete what? 
I've just got the viewer's guide. Well, well, funny no, enough, the no, style is, of that, the style of that hardback. Second... This is the hardback. Yeah, there used to be a Channel Four annual complete... as well. Came out yeah, that it, yeah. that wasn't um, that was something different. But the complete yeah. American football book. Funnily oh. enough, these oh. books right came out in when was it? No, I've got the published date. Um, when did they come out? Hang on, let's have a look. There's no date. Oh, here we are. 86, right? So these, these, both these books, which I wrote, by the way, they weren't ghosted. I actually wrote them. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, no, I, I actually wrote them. Um, I, had a, I had an editor come and um, actually live in my house for two months, and we wrote it together. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, I know what I was going to say. So they came out in 86, and about um, three weeks ago, I got a statement from the author's... Um, it's like the collection service for music, but for author's. So, you know, when something is photocopied, um, you, you get a small payment. And I still, I got almost 100 quid for photocopying for those two books that came out in 1986. Because <laughs> people are still photocopying them. And they are, you know, so ridiculously out of date. Um, but, yeah, um, so that was that was quite good. Now, this is... This is... Oh no, that's the wrong one. Um, Rise of the Valkyries. Is that it? No, no, because that's one I came across. Unless it, oh. unless it changes. No, later on. Not, no, no. We'll have to put it up on our um, on the site and see if anyone can identify. It. I didn't know what it was, and I've, I've it's not Rise of the Valkyries. We'll not in Charles, what, what we'll do, we'll yeah. film you, Charles, singing it and put it in the group. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens, to the, what happens to this now? Do you Are you videoing this, and does this go out so as, a, we'll, as a video cast? Or how does it goes it out as a... So we, what we do, we do it as a podcast, so it's on spot, we're on Spotify, iTunes, oh. Amazon. Yeah. And then we do the video bit, and we just save it as an alternative. Just people want to watch the video as well, we put the video on YouTube. Oh, okay. But it's just... Just a different option. But and you're yeah, there, right? Yeah, we edit. Yeah, we take out the bits where we talk before we start the show and after. Right. Right. Okay. I've yeah. got a any anything else? Any yeah, just got, because we we put uh, we put it out to some of the some of the people who read our, the three people who read uh, look at our um, website or whatever you want to call it <laughs> the uh, Facebook page. The, um, they, they wanted a few a few things asked. Now you've an, you've answered a lot of the stuff. Uh, for instance, someone was asking who who you support, and I think you said uh, Washington and um, for, San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. yeah. I mean, for two reasons: Washington, because as I said, they were they were actually the first team that allowed us uh, after the the strike had ended. They were the first team that um, allowed us uh, into the dressing room and gave us interviews. Um, so, because you know, none of them really took us that seriously. You know, this short British disc jockey <laughs> doing NFL, um, and we had a we had a very attractive uh, female camera camera person um, called Kimberly, who was our American crew. 
And uh, Kimberly was a um, really good-looking woman. Um, and she went into the locker room, you know, with her camera. And there were these, you know, half-naked men there. And um, that was one reason why they allowed us in. Um, to be perfectly honest, because um, it was it was very rare to have a a, a woman uh, in the dressing room, and a very rare to have a woman as a camera person in those days. Um, so yeah, they um, and then the Forty ers um, because um, Joe Montana um, was so incredibly hospitable to us. We went to his home. He made us lunch. Um, you know, it was, they were just, he was lovely. Um, when we went, when the Super Bowl was in um, San Francisco. So, um, yeah. The, uh, you know, my, my, um, I follow teams because of kind of emotions, like most of us do, really. Um, hang on a second. Yeah. Ordered anything? Yeah, I have. Can I, I'm just. I know. Is it being delivered? It is being delivered. Okay. And it will be here any just minute. Yeah. Any minute. Just for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I... go on. Jenny, go Jenny, yes? come in. <laughs> come in. You might be able to help. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you might bad actually. Mood. Um. Hi. Hi. Um, Hi. I can't actually put you on. Can I you? I'm going to give my wife yeah. the headphones. That sounds a bit scary. What can I help with? American football. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's to do with identifying a, a classical piece of music. Hello. And Charles has got to say. Uh, hi. Hi, hi. Uh, this means, uh, uh, it's the classical piece of music that went out on, on Channel 4 on the American football show right at the beginning. And I've had to, uh, they've forced me embarrassingly to yeah. sing it, <laughs> which I'm going to now have to do again. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Desperately, I don't want to do, but I'm so desperate to know what it is. So here we go. Okay. I think it's Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet. Really? Yes. Well, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to look that up afterwards. It is. Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet. We thought, oh, I was thinking when you. When, when when you knocked on the door, yeah, that that was Nikki's Thank you. Yes, hello. to get the hell out of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> if you've not heard in thirty minutes, come okay. and get me. It's great. It's great because he can't hear me saying this now. Okay, all right. Thank you. Well, you got the music now. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Okay. Delayed by ten minutes. Oh, good. Right. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Romeo and Juliet. Right, Prokofiev, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, but very well oh. sung. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was just, I was just saying that we thought she, you'd called her in after a certain time if you pull you out of this podcast. Just say no, Now you think about it, now I think about it, that would have been a great idea, but no, no, no. That was, I knew that I had um, this takeaway, but, you know, they just called me and they said they're 10 minutes late. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, that, that, that's a complete opposite to what we expected. Yeah. So maybe 10 minutes early. See, and you got, you got Prokofiev out of it. Yeah, so, brilliant. Brilliant. And we got Charles to sing again. 
<laughs> that's the problem with these recordings it's there forever um would it be when you earlier on this is just another question from someone on the facebook page they were saying um and you alluded to this earlier on about how much the game's changed since since the 80s is there anything is there any big change that you could actually think of off the top of your head now which separates the 80s from anything sort of more recent um i think i'll take a pass on that actually because yeah. i do have i do have quite strong views about um about the politics of things um mm. so i i think it, i think it's best if i take a pass on that okay well i'll not labor that one anymore um <laughs> Any player from the eighties, bear in mind how different the game's become. Any player from the eighties that you think could still cut it in the modern era? No, actually, no. I mean, I think I think that you know, I mean that goes back to you know how the game has changed. Um, I think that the, the the physical attributes that one needs um, are different uh the pace of the game has changed um uh and so i think no i think if if anyone from the, you know the 80s you know came back again i mean someone like you know jerry rice you know would he be with the game that he played would that be? Would that work these days? I I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think there are different different skill sets needed now. So we're not likely to see anyone like the fridge again. <laughs> um, certainly not like William. No, <laughs> William was um, William was one on his own. He really was. Um, we actually had a great deal of fun. We did um, we did an advert, uh, a commercial for um, Tesco, um, and it was all about you know open your fridge, and it was you know, that was the idea of it. And we filmed it in Candlestick Park, um, and God, did we have fun? We had we shot over two days, and I think he only had like two or three lines. And he kept screwing up. <laughs> he, he, bless him, he just kept screwing up. It was, um, and he, but he was a very, very funny man. So yeah, I don't think we'll see the, you know, his like again. But you know, we're not, we're not going to see the like of, um, you know, Montana again. Not the, not the way that he plays. Not with the, you know, you think about the grace of the man. Um, I, I haven't seen any players. This is not to diss any of the players, because as I say, it's a different game. But I haven't seen anyone play with that sort of beauty. Well, something something that just springs to mind. Actually, talking about not seeing some of the stuff from from back in the eighties. I mean, one of the things was I'm sure it was John Riggins used to be regularly be on on the oxygen when yes. he was when he was on the sideline. You don't see that now. No. Not on exercise bikes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Um, no, you don't do that. Yeah. Okay, do you have a, um, a favourite Super Bowl? 
Um, I think. Hmm. No, actually. I mean, I think I think the one that I did with Shula, I mentioned Don Shula before, um, and that was in Miami, but I can't remember who was playing there. Um, was that Washington? One of the early ones? It was one of the early ones, yeah, but it was held in Miami. It may have been Washington. I think it was... I, I think it might have been um, Washington. I just remember sitting next to him and you know when we weren't on air that he would he would see things on the field and point them out to me that you know i i i just couldn't see i mean he was seeing the minutiae of the game um and he was seeing it with such kind of clarity um it was it was astonishing to sit next to a man like that and he was he was so nice and so you know gracious it was fantastic it was really really good and there's a lot there's a lot of talk these days about whether the uk is ever going to get a franchise be it at wembley or be it wherever is that something that ever cropped up back in the day that you know because obviously it was a phenomenal success and people must have talked about it in the 80s or oh, what if yeah, they came over well, here per- well yes Yes and no. I mean, they talked about, um, you know, exhibition games, and we did have some exhibition games. They did talk about, you know, regular season games. Um, and it didn't really go beyond that. And But it was a few years later that, you know, the idea of a, of a European or London franchise emerged. And, you know, I think I can say with as much certainty about anything... I mean, certainty these days is, you know, a, a, a currency that's very um, uh, in short supply. Um, however, I think that the idea of having a London franchise is just pie in the sky. It's not going to happen. Mm. Not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen for, you know, all sorts of reasons. But, but you know, you think about, you know, the, the travel time. You think about COVID, you know, getting on you know, aeroplanes and, and all the stuff that we're going to have to do now. I mean, I think it, before COVID, it was never going to happen. I think COVID has completely knocked that on the head. Um, you know, a, a team from Los Angeles flying to London to play a game, then, you know, maybe flying back the next day or the day after, then they've got a bye week. You know, I mean, you know, that's just going to mess with... The, the time zone thing is going to mess with everything. Bad enough when an LA team have to go to the, the, the East Coast, you know, West East Coast to West Coast. You know, that's not easy. Um, I think I think the whole idea of a London franchise is just rubbish. There was there was one particular game in uh, Twickenham that Ian and I had gone to, and he he might be able to help me more with this. When it, it it was apparent, it was the um, it was the Rams and the Giants. Cameron, which way round it was? I think it was the Ram. The Rams had been there earlier. They'd come over to London earlier, yeah. and the Giants just didn't turn up for the first half of the game. I think they, yeah. they just couldn't move the ball at all. And it, it was and they were actually on a, a on a program later in the season. I think on uh, all or nothing. 
and they, the Rams talked about it, how they prepared and the Giants hadn't, and it was so, it was such a strange game. I think you yeah. were there as well, Richard, weren't you? For that yeah. One? yeah, yeah, yeah. But just yeah. just because they haven't taken account of the time differences. Yeah, but also the you know the culture and and the fact that Wembley Stadium is not set up or was not set up, you know, as a, a, for American football teams, it had to be modified. Um, you know, the Tottenham ground, the new Tottenham ground, at least has been planned, you know, to have the right facilities for NFL teams, which are very different from the facilities that you need for a premiership team. Um, so at least that's happening. Um, but I think I think um, Daniel Levy has actually, you know, made a bad bet there because I don't I think there'll, there'll still be regular season games. I think. I mean, who knows now with COVID? You know, will there be regular season games? Will will teams want to take that risk now of getting in an aluminium tube? Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very doubtful of that. Anyway, I can see on my CCTV because I've got. Oh, I think we need to <laughs> let you guys take away enjoy see, your food. I see my, I see my Indian is arriving. Um, so uh, I'm going to call it a night. But thank you so much for having me on. No, really th- great. Thank you. And please send me a link. Can you? I'll tweet. You you I'll tweet it. The... Tweet it, Nikki. Were you in it? Yeah. But thank you okay. for joining us. And obviously, potentially, the NFL might not be in its state it is in the UK if it hadn't have been for you and your Channel Four show. Definitely. Oh, thank you. And it wasn't just me. Can it was the can I, I just apologise in advance if you get spammed on your radio show tomorrow. I'm not taking any responsibility. <laughs> no. right. Charles, is, Charles is retired now, so he's got plenty of time to be dropping emails. <laughs> but thank all you right. again, lovely, Nicky. Lovely to see you all. Thank you yeah, so thanks much. Thanks for giving us the time, Nicky. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Right, I'll shut up now. There you go. Right. All right. I, 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 I doffed my cap to you, sir. That was a very good interview. You did well. It was, yeah. It was, Charles. That Super Bowl was 49ers and Bengals. What we've worked out here is, despite your idiocy, actually, when we need to do a serious interview, you are the man Charles for the job. Charles steps up to it. No, but I'll only know I'm a serious interviewer. When I start getting hate mail, because all the banter will upset someone tonight, I'm even if it's just Nikki's wife. I'm quite happy to send you hate mail if that's if that's what will make you happy. So, if you check your phone, I've just done it. All right, thank you. So, Charles, you can now actually you can relax now, and we'll do the news. <laughs> if you want to have a break and have a drink, I'm exhausted. So, I've said exhausted every week. Well, this is true too. Um, but can I just say something? Because I just wanted to rouse, just before I do shut up, I am trying to shut up. I just wanted to say something that would, might have roused Stuart from his slumber. Um, like when slumber. Ian and I go over to America and we talk to people about American football, they're always astounded that we know absolutely anything about the game. They're like, you know, perfectly I... astounded American. I wouldn't even just say when you go to interview, and you don't just mean interview people. When you talk, no, to I don't mean just yeah, talk to people. It's, I had it in New York. I was in a bar, and I was watching some college games. I was just having a couple of pints, and it, in fact, it was in Trump Plaza. It was in the bar there, 
and and I was just sat on my own, watch, and something happened. I can't remember what it was, and I, you know, like sometimes you'll mutter something about somebody doing something stupid, and this guy looked at me and he says, "Are you English?" I says, "Yeah." How do you know about that? And just got talking. We ended up with about six people all around the bar talking to me all afternoon, just because they were amazed because an Englishman knew something about football. It's like which I'd... is great for me. Which is great for me because I know something about football. I've done a lot, but if the American, the Americans still love it. No, but it's yeah. like I know. Anyway, I know. Richard's got something important. Well, I was just going to say. Well, I was going to say that. Um, I remember Stuart one at first thing. Stuart told me when I first got to meet Stuart and everything. When he went on a work trip out to Texas, you were watching college football, weren't you still in bars out there with guys? Oh, yeah. That was your yeah, introduction. I got, I got, it was, at, yeah, it was in Mexico, but the guy I was with was from Houston. And I didn't really know a great deal about anything. And he was a massive Longhorns fan. And he basically just sat with me and we watched like, in the entire weekend, we just like watched all the college games Saturday. And then Sunday, and he, he basically just paid for all the beer and all the wings. It was brilliant. <laughs> I so like I, him already. Yeah, hence why I'm a Texans Longhorns fan now. Yeah. So, sounds a bit like Charles, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? Ian Whitwater in LA. Yeah. <laughs> well, he wants some, but. About, about eight, $8 pints in, uh, in the Coliseum. Yeah. So, NFL News and Rumours. Bit of a new story this week, so. Julian Edelman retired this week after a failed physical, medical, what you want to call it. Um, it looks like he's pretty much retired. Gronk's come out overnight and goes, he might be playing again next year, but I think that's just the Gronk being the Gronk. I think Julian is dumb. Have, yeah, so. have you seen his little mic drop that he does with his seat in the middle of uh, Foxborough? Oh, where he's sat in pitch, yeah. So when he sits in on that like director's chair yeah. in the middle of pitch. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. And no, just walks off. And to be fair, it's quite it's quite good and it's quite poignant. And he and obviously it does his whole speech about retiring. But then he just like he just gets like up. halfway through seconds, he just gets up and walks off. <laughs> and then camera, he just left looking at a chair, an empty chair. It's really weird. And it just cuts to is it it cuts to Foxborough forever, doesn't it? Yeah, it cuts to Foxborough <laughs> forever. Like, I was like, wow. I was like, uh, that looks like a proper production that they've been doing for years. <laughs> now, I, obviously, I'm a Pats fan. He'll go down as one of the best in New England. Now, and there's a lot of debate going on at the moment, and everyone's like, oh, I should go into Hall of Fame and all this stuff. But there's a, a lot of players out there who haven't got in yet who will be way ahead of him in the list. And I think also it's been misskewed as that report, where the original report was Julian Edelman will go into the Patriots Hall of Fame but it's sort of been twisted into saying he's going to go into the Hall of Fame yeah he's not to me he's not that elite he's not He's not Hall of Fame he's had some great play, playoff performances and Super Bowl performances he's, he, in fact he's better after the regular season's ended but you look at his regular season stats and they're pretty average aren't they so he's not for Hall of Hall of Fame, you've got to be something special, and he's he's a very very good player, and I like Julian Edelman a lot. I can't see him being in the Hall of Fame. No. Michelle thought Stewart. In- Stewart's very quiet on this. Normally, he's straight in um, on this. I because I, I, the more I can't decide. That's because I, can't, I genuinely can't decide, and I can see I can see the argument from both sides. Mm. 
and you know I can understand why people might think he, he is Hall of Fame because of his productivity in the off season. Um, yeah, in the big, big game player, isn't he? He, he's he is. Game, he's a big game player, and he's come up with some big catches, and he's got mm. MVP. Um, and obviously he's, he's played in. Is he played in a Pro Bowl? He hasn't he been to a Pro Bowl. No, has he? Pro Bowl. been to a Pro Bowl. So I think that's that's going to work against him. But um, yeah, I, I'd probably err on the side of. The fact that he hasn't been to Pro Bowls would suggest to me that he's probably not mm. going to get into the Hall of Fame. I was just going to say the big games, when you, when you say he, he plays one of the big games, the big games are the, the ones that people remember. Yeah. Mm. You know, so does that boost his chances? See that, I, don't know, I don't think it works that, like that. Does that also taint people's That's, opinion? Yeah. I think yeah. it's more likely that that tends people's opinion because they only ever see him in the big games and he always looks amazing. But actually, for the 16 games before that, he was, you know, like Ian says, you know, just a good player. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying but he's an average player. He is good. Oh, he's he is just, a good player. Uh, yeah. Don't think he'd off for the Hall of Fame. He's a poor man's Adam Thielen, that's what he is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I trick you our Facebook group and say he's a poor man's Des Bryant? Oh. <laughs> Dallas. Dallas. Hey, joking, joking apart, joking apart, that's, that's, a, that's a good point because you should be able to debate these things. And one of the people who replied to, to Ian almost tried to shoot him down in flames and saying that, that it's not up for debate. But surely... I, yeah, I wasn't actually debating it. I just posted something. So I wasn't... <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Everything, everything well, I was debating. Everything yeah. is debatable. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. debatable. Because yeah. if you shut it down and you can't talk about it, where do you go? Yeah. So, well, life, life as we know it is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, another story in news this week. Trevor Lawrence. Another story. Trevor Lawrence has already got the Jags playbook. It's no real big surprise, is it? Yeah, yeah, no. Really? Is he going number one? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> right, literally, I, I was, I was, I was saying to. I said to, I can't remember. I said it, to, it might be Ian or Charles that I've listened to a few mock drafts over this week, and the only thing that I know for certain after ours is that we've got number one right. The rest of it, <laughs> I have no idea anymore. Yeah. I have no idea anymore. But isn't that the way though? You debate it, and then it all just goes goes to pieces. Yeah, I mean, but every, everybody has a different opinion. I've been it's talking to some Vikings. It's changing every I've been hour. Talking, yeah, yeah, I've been talking to some Vikings fans this week, and even even we can't decide on what we think we should take at fourteen. So how am I supposed to guess what another team's going to take? Because I can't even decide what we're going to take. It's just, but it's it's all going to be how the how it falls on the day. There's going to be somebody, and I suspect it's probably going to be the Raiders that are going to pick somebody. But <laughs> you were like, who's he? Overall, but, but is, projected round seven, the Raiders take pick one. Yeah. To me. Isn't the whole point of the mock draft to be a bit of fun? Because I get the impression from what I yeah. found about it recently is that people take it far too seriously. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's got to be about fun. It's got to be about fun and making sure that you're wrong. That's all I care about. Yeah. But I'm very serious. The one bit I'm very serious about is Kyle Pitts, and I think his stock's on the rise. I, well, I, if if his stock's on the rise, that he's not falling to ten for Dallas. He's not falling to ten. <laughs> Have you not heard my theory? I'm not saying it's a good thing, but this is what I'm saying to Stuart. What I can see is Jerry Jones is infatuated apparently with carpets. And you know what happens with Jerry sometimes? Mm -hmm. Dallas end up doing something that's 
perhaps not in the team's best interests, but that's what Jerry wants. And it hasn't happened so much in recent years, but it's still there. And I can see a situation where we look at yeah, <laughs> where we look at some of the free agents. You've got you've got Sherman, a free agent, KJ Wright. I can see them both coming to Dallas in free agency. We trade up to get Kyle Pitts. And by getting Sherman, you're getting rid of that secondary need. Whereas yeah, I mean... I'd prefer to take Satane at 10. Stay at 10 and, 10 and take Satane. I, um, I was reading something that the Falcons GM said, and he basically said that if they remained at four, because they're still open for trades, that they would be foolish not to take a quarterback or their their you know future quarterback, because I don't think they plan on being that high up again. No. Which is what I said, but then again, literally two days later, somebody else said, if the Falcons are going to be all in on um, Matt Ryan for the next two years, they need to give him some weapons so I'm a bit like everything I read contradicts someone else so I like I don't know anymore so like Charles could be right my gut feeling is they take a quarterback but they take a quarterback or they they trade out of it but I I wouldn't be surprised if if they take Kyle Pitts I mean it's no surprise it's no it's no surprise that the mock drafts get overexposure because realistically apart from you know you've got the draft coming up and you've got a bit free the, the latter stages of the free agency happening now but what else is there you know they, they've got to fill the content with something and mock drafts seems to stir people's emotions yeah. I think I think th- this year number one everybody's going to get right pick number two probably about 50- 80% maybe maybe I'd still think 50-50 on two no I think 50-50 on two it's either Fields or Wilson and it's a free and for then- all then, and then number three number three with the Niners is again 50-50 because it's going to be Either whoever didn't get picked second and Matt Jones. Or Matt Jones, yeah. Or Matt Jones. And then after that, from four downwards, <laughs> it, it, I have no idea. Apart from obviously Kyle Pitts at all. <laughs> no, I, I stick with the no idea. I yeah. literally don't know anymore. I don't no, I've know. I've just blurted that one out. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be very unpredictable. Well, obviously, we don't want to, we've been on for a bit tonight with that, obviously, Nikki, so we'll wrap up tonight's show. But. Oh, hang on, you're wrapping up. I haven't finished. You said you okay, finished. I've only got. I've only. <laughs> I've only got something to wrap, wrap up quick. Wrap up quickly. Quickly. I mentioned last week, I think it was, that there was there, there was talk about a second Monday night game, which might favour the Brits because the chances are it would be on earlier. Yeah. Well, there's no point in labouring the point anymore because apparently we're not having a second Monday night game anymore. They've gone against that. Oh, have they? I didn't see. Yeah. That. And the final thing. Is are the uh, Browns going to be a top team next season? Because I just noticed they've, they've now got Clowney, haven't they? Clowney, yeah, How's he got that deal? It's, up, it's not guaranteed. It's not ten million guaranteed. <laughs> it's it's that he can make ten million if yeah. But it's what's his ba- it's what's his base salary that worries yeah. me because the ten million. I I'm hoping it's minimal with a chance if he gets sacks and stuff like that, he gets up to ten million. And I know he, he performed quite well in the run game, but you 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 basically draft you're getting him to be a, a pass rusher, aren't you? Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, the the quote I read was that the reason he'd gone there was because he wanted to go to a winning team. So what does that mean? The Titans. Well, they were a winning team, weren't they? Yeah. So if he's yeah. going to a winning team, he, he maybe knows something everyone else doesn't. I also don't well, think he had many options Browns, as well. Though. The Browns were a winning team last year. He didn't play a lot last season, did he? No, yeah, he did. He just wasn't. He just wasn't very good. He just wasn't but, very productive. 
yeah. you got you got to bear in mind though that that Titans team he was good in the run game so I'll give him his credit he was good in the run game for the Titans but because the Titans didn't have anything else on on yeah. uh, passing uh, pressure he, he effectively became the only option that they had therefore it 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 got a lot of attention so it's when a team's only got one pass uh, pass rush option it's very easy. Like, did you see, there was a footage in the, um, I can't remember who released it, but there's footage of Washington's games last year and poor Chase Young was getting three teams. He was getting, he was getting basically, there was three of them blocking him because when a team has only got one pass rusher, you basically just go, right, well, you three just stop him and then we can do what we want. We'll go over way. I'll go over top of him. So that that's what that's why a good pass rush uh, defense has got not just up the middle, but they've got both ends as well, and that's what made the books so good because they had JPP one side, they had Shaq Barrett the other side, they had Vita Vita down the middle, and they had Sue as well, and that's what made them good because they had pressure from all points. So we'll end tonight on. Can I just say something? I've got something else to say oh, as well. What I just want to say, you know, we, we've talked about, we're picking up a lot of um, listeners in various countries now, and they might not be aware that we also do have a, a group on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, check out the First Down Facebook group as well. How come you say you like what you're going to say? Does that mean nobody likes what I've got to say? Yes. Well, it's very unlikely that we're going to like yeah. what you've got to say, yeah. but... Pretty much, yeah. So at least you keep it up this week. So we're going to end the show on what will the, <laughs> Chicago, what will the Chicago Bears do next? They wanted Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, signed Dalton. They're now watching Justin Fields. <clears throat> this time next week, will they could potentially could they have entered that trade up market? Uh, 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 to be fair to to be fair to um, Matt Nagy and the Bears. It's not a ridiculous scenario that Fields falls out of the top five. Maybe it could fall to number 10, for example. You know, if, if other people have other teams have other needs. And if he falls to 10, trading up to 10 is going to cost you a lot less than trading up to four. So if you're, if you're a GM and you're a head coach, you do your due diligence in making sure that you've got the best scouting reports on everybody that might go in that top 10 because you don't want to get to the point where you could trade up for someone and you go, well, we haven't scouted them. We don't know what they're like. So for, for me, to to kind of defend the Bears, which breaks my heart a little bit, I would, I would expect that the Vikings have done the same. I would expect, I don't expect Penny Sill to drop to the four, to 14, but I hope to God that we've done our due diligence on him. If he did. <laughs> if he did. Not if any dropped to not if any dropped to, to fourteen, but if he dropped to like eight, and we could trade up to eight to get him. It's not going to cost as much to get it's six places up, is it? So, yeah, no, so, and you don't know which place because there's only so many top talents on the board. You know, somebody's going to drop somewhere, and you've got to make sure that you exactly. You've got to make sure you've done your due diligence on all of the players. Well, Jim McMahon has said recently that the Bears have lost the plot. He says they haven't had a decent quarterback for over 20 years and it's not about to change anytime soon. There you go. Done my homework. Yeah, but final word with Charles. He started the show and he's ending it. Mm. Well, thanks guys for another excellent show and great banter. Can, See you next can week. we just interrupt?
we interrupt oh. Richard this time? Interrupt him at the beginning. Yeah, we should really do that. Yeah, yeah. go on. Do it again. Do it again, again Richard. Say it again. <laughs> Not very nice. Thanks. For people on the for people on the podcast that are obviously on the video, Richard just gave us the finger. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in this week, and thanks again to Nikki, who was our guest earlier. Jim, and is this the thing where we'll interrupt at the end and start now? Oh. Are we just will we go back to the start? Interrupting. What we, yeah, what are we doing next week? We've got um, you all, into all the list. Will they shut up and get off? Bad enough. <laughs> Everybody's switched off now. No, nobody will be listening to this. Oh, yeah, nobody's listening to this. Please let him finish. Let Richard <laughs> say it. Go on, Richard. Go on. The end. <laughs> Excellent. That should be the podcast name. <laughs> just, just the end. Just the, end. What? the fact that we totally ignore that Nikki was on, it has to have something to do with Nikki. But yeah. thanks, guys, and we'll see you next week. Yes. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.